to see everyone tonight, not only here in the congregation, but by way of Facebook Live. Even though we can't see them, they're seeing us, right? Right, right. And the main to those questions, my daughter was trying to call me, I'm glad I had the ringer off. <laughs> so tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to jump ahead, and I'm not going to do this uh, in Exodus, the series that we're doing in Exodus with the mind-brain connections. I'm not going to do them consecutively. We're not going to look at, you know, each story or each chapter, chapter by chapter. But I'm going to jump around quite a bit. So tonight I want us to go to the 15th chapter of the book of Exodus. And let me just, let me just reiterate a little bit of what we had last week. Remember we talked in chapter 4 of Exodus about where Moses threw down the rod and then he picked it up by the tail. We talked about him being told to put his hand in his bosom and take it out and it was white and pure. Then he was told to put it back in and we took it back out. It was like flesh. And then lastly, we looked at the fact that God had said, if they're not going to believe the first two demonstrations, then what I want you to do is get water from the rivers and pour it on the dry land or pour it on the left hemisphere over here, and it will turn into blood. Now, let me just reiterate a little bit about that, because I think those things we looked at last week are so vitally important for us to understand. What are we doing? We're looking at these stories allegorically. We're not looking at them literally. We're looking at the symbolic, the parabolic, the allegorical meanings of these stories to see how they apply to you and I. Because what good does it, what good does it for us in our life? How does it enhance our life if we're just going to look at these as nice little Bible stories? But when we can see that allegorically they're happening within us, then that makes a whole world of difference. You know, we can apply it. We can we can adapt it, and we can walk in it, and we can experience it. So the first one, where Moses was told to turn down, uh, throw down the rod, I shared with you how that many places in the scripture the rod symbolizes Jesus Christ, but not here, because he was told to throw it down. So we can look at this in several different levels. We were talking earlier how that uh, the word of God, they say, has in hermeneutics, has at least seven layers of interpretation. But do you know that the ancients, the Hebrews, saw 70 layers of interpretation? So I was telling someone tonight, that means we've barely scratched the surface. <laughs> barely scratched the surface. If there are 70 different layers of inter interpretations, if we can look at each verse 70 different ways, you know, and see, I say that because I don't want us to get hung up on anything. And this has been the problem in religiosity. And what they have done is they have gotten one interpretation and they have said that's all that it means. And they don't move on. I'm glad I'm not ministering the same thing that I did 40 years ago when I started. Thank God it's been a continual moving up and moving on. And guess what? We're going to continue to move up and move on and experience this in a greater sense than ever before. So this rod here, I look at this rod as, let me just say this, I look at this rod and it becoming the serpent. We looked at that as Moses taking his own flesh and throwing it down, that realm of flesh, trusting in his own flesh and throwing it down, and it became a serpent, and we applied the serpent to the serpentine motion that the energy, the electrical force or electrical energy, works as it works up our spine. And then you notice it says he took it by the tail. Well, that's where the energy starts in our body. It starts in the coccyx and the tailbone, you see. So the fact that he took it back up again represents that he was taking that authority back into the flesh realm. You see, when you talk about the spine, what are you talking about? You're talking about something that's in the body, related to the flesh, you see. Not flesh in a bad sense, but related to our flesh, related to our body. So what does he do? He picks it up by the tail. He throws being led of the flesh down. It turns into a serpent. That energy begins to rise, and then he picks it up by the tail, and he stops that energy from flowing. Because 
because that's where the energy flows from. And I shared with you how that, you know, we, we've been afraid, or maybe not afraid, but we have always associated in the past the serpent with something vile or something evil. And we found out last week that we're associated with a serpent. Where he said, be wise as a serpent. What does that mean, be wise as a serpent? Well, what are the characteristics of a serpent or a snake? Well, when parasites come to their skin and attach themselves to the skin, like us having parasitic thoughts that drain us and are parasites to us. So what does that represent? That represents that a snake will slip out of the outer skin and put on new skin. See? And when we have parasitic thoughts that are like parasites that drain us, what do we do? We slip out of that old realm of thinking and we slip into the mind of Christ and we exercise the single eye. See? So all of this fits into what's happening within us today. Now, I shared with you that the rod also stands for foundation and authority. You've heard people say about an individual, well, they have no backbone. They're spineless, you see. So in the natural, the foundation, our foundation and our authority in the natural has to do with what's going on, you see, in this realm of appearance. But when we'll throw that authority, that natural authority, that natural foundation down and not depend upon anything from the external, but only depend upon that from the internal, you see, then we're going to experience this energy begin to rise, and it rises from the solar plexus, as we've been saying a lot around here, and it comes up to the seventh chakra, as some people call it, or nerve energies, and it explodes the pineal, it explodes the seeds in the pineal gland, and it does a whole lot of medicinal things in your body. They say that it lightens the skin, it kills cancer cells, it, it can uh, reverse the aging process. Now they are saying, because I do a lot of research on this, now they're saying it can even release blockages in the arteries of the heart. So you see, this is what we need to do. Now I know back in the 80s there was an article on Newsweek magazine. I remember years ago reading it, and my doctor had put me on melatonin for sleep at night. And you know what? The melatonin flew off of the shelves at that time because they were talking about all of the medicinal advantages of the melatonin. Well, I have a better way than popping a pill. I have a better way than popping a pill of melatonin, and that is to spend that time in spontaneous and, and purposeful meditation and always be in the mind of Christ and exercise the single eye. When there's a so-called apparent situation or circumstance, be sure you focus, because where focus goes, energy flows. Be sure you focus not on the appearance and what's happening, giving that power, but be sure that you focus upon what the word of the Lord says, what the book of life within us says about that situation. And what does it say? It has no stinking power. It has no stinking power. It has no, nothing in and of itself has any power. There's only one power, you see. So as we do that, that begins to cause that melatonin, especially at night in meditation, that causes the melatonin to be secreted by the pineal gland, and it begins to affect the pituitary and the, and the pineal and, and the glands that have to do with the brain. And see, I think this is the way we're going to rid people of experiencing dementia and Alzheimer's. If we can get into this and practice this, then I believe we're going to see the incidence of Alzheimer, dementia, and all of those brain-related diseases begin to diminish. The next one we talked about then was when he was told to take his hand and put it into his bosom or into his garment, and when he pulled it out, it came out white as leprous. And it, it, it speaks of what? It speaks of us coming to the realization that we must, and hand means ministry, and it also means energy, that we must take the ministry, the energy and the anointing of the ministry, and not derive that from the intellect over here on the left side, but put that hand, that ministry, that energy inside our bosom. In other words, the energy and the anointing and the life has got to come from the inside rather than from the outside. Right. So it says he did this twice. He put his hand in and he pulled it out and it was white. 
representing pureness, to the pure all things are pure. And then he was told to put it in his bosom again, and he pulled it out, and when he pulled it out, it was as flesh. What does that mean? That simply means the power is in our hand to either lay it down or pick it up. We have been given authority. God made us in his image after his likeness. He blessed us and he said, have dominion. We have the authority to throw it down or pick it up, to put it within or to pull it out. We have been given that authority. And he's not going to make us. We're not going to be made to do these things. We have been given everything that we need for life and godliness. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. We lack absolutely nothing, but now we must be the ones that have dominion over that. And then lastly, we talked last week about the fact that God said to Moses, if they don't believe the first two miracles, then what I want you to do is take water out of the rivers, and I want you to throw it upon the dry land, which is the left hemisphere. And remember we talked about the five different levels of consciousness yeah. that the Greeks embraced, which was number one, earth or the water, or the mind, I'm sorry, earth or the mind, and then the water, and then the air, and then the fire, which is the spirit. And that constitutes the mind of Christ. So by telling him to take the water from the rivers and throw it on the left side or throw it on the dry land, and then it'll turn blood, what was he talking about? What does blood represent? Well, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And there's many scriptures, especially in the New Testament, that give you... Uh, verses and words that coincide blood and spirit together, like blood cleanses and, and spirit cleanses and so forth. So what was he saying? He was saying, take the water, that second stage, throw it on the left side, and it'll turn into life. It'll turn into blood or it'll become life, life experienced, you see. And that's what we have been saying all along. God gave us the left side, nothing wrong with the left side. But we don't want to live just from the left side of intellect. We want to raise up the child. We want to raise up the Christ mind. We want to exercise the single eye. We want to involve ourselves in spontaneous meditation and even purposeful meditation at times. And that only takes a second to just turn within, just, just seconds to acknowledge the inside is a place that we're to live from. We're to live from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Now, as we get into this, I want us to go to Exodus chapter 15, and I want to start reading there in verses 22 and 23. What are we doing? We're coming out of Egypt. What is Egypt to us? It's the left hemisphere. And we're coming into the wilderness. What is the wilderness to us? It's the wilderness of meditation. We're crossing the Red Sea. What is the Red Sea to us? It's the churning emotions. You know, in Isaiah chapter 57, he said, the wicked or the restless are as the raging sea, oh you see. And so the, the Red Sea, and then when you cross the Jordan, we'll talk about that later, all of those rivers that they had to cross and that we cross represent the churning emotions of the left side. And of course, I know none of you have ever experienced churning emotions. I'm the only one that ever has, right? <laughs> so that's what it's talking about. Now, not only have we come out of Egypt, but you know what? Egypt is being removed out of us. See, as we put ourselves in the water, and he's not going to do it, as we put ourselves in the water, the second stage, what is going to happen? We're going to experience not only coming out of Egypt, but we're going to experience Egypt being gotten out of us. Right. Now look what it says here in Exodus 15, 22, and 23. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. So you see, Moses is that part within us that says, we have to go. We must move from the realm of the earth, the mind, to the water, then to the air, and then to the fire, and that will be the mind of Christ. Then it can truly be said that my people have been let go. See, my people have been let go. So what that means then to us is when we come out from the bondage of the left side, 
That means that we are no longer paying any attention to Pharaoh whatsoever. We're paying no attention to the Methodists, the Catholics, the Lutherans, the Nazarenes. We're pay pay paying no attention to the New Age, the Old Age, all of these books that we can read out here. We are depending on nothing except that which is on the inside of us. It's the only thing we're paying any attention to. And that's what I want to lead you to. I'm not trying to lead you to me as a pastor. My desire is to lead you to him within you. Show you who you is. And when we see who we really is and how that we're one, we've never been separate, and we've always been upright, we've always been holy, we've always been righteous, we would just lie to and we embrace the lie, then we'll be able, once we can deal with all of those lies of religiosity, and don't misunderstand, I'm not mad at anyone, they didn't know any better, so we're not pointing a finger, but I'm just simply saying, you need to be pointed to the one within you. You need to be pointed to the one within you. Now, let's read verse 22. Notice there, again, verse 22, and here it talks about something that is good, and this is what is happening. This is what is happening here. They went three days into the wilderness. Now, we know that three is the number of resurrection. Three is the number of new life. So when you have experience, you've gone through the wilderness of meditation. You've gone through that wilderness of meditation. You are always, every single solitary time, you are going to experience a new life surging and many times you can literally feel that life within your body begin to surge up through you. Absolutely. Now, we shared in this series so far about how that in the winter solstice, the sun is crucified. It goes through the constellation crux, C-R-U-X, which means the cross, and it goes into the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and then on the 25th it begins to rise up. What was that? That is the constellations foretelling Jesus going into the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and it's foretelling us going into the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and it's foretelling Jonah going into the belly of hell three days and three nights, and then being puked out an evangelist. How do we that? But all of it has to do, listen, can you see where after the three days, in each of those scenarios, there was new life? There was new life. So when we go the three days, now listen, the three days represent us being in the wilderness of meditation. That's the three days here. And then it represents us experiencing the new life. Now, here in Exodus 15, 22 and 23, the people are, they're in confusion. Why are they in confusion? Because there's no water. Now, let me just say, this has absolutely nothing, no, nada, nothing, zero, to do with drinking water. That's right. For us. For us. It has nothing to do with drinking water. It has to do, and it has nothing to do, let me say, with baptism. We talked about baptism already, where the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 6, I want you to leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ, and I want you to grow up. And one of them was the doctrine of baptisms, and we share with you how the bat is water baptism and spirit baptism, and they're all valid, but you can get your head wet and still not get your mind washed. Right, right. And you see, that's that second stage of consciousness, you see, that the Greeks embraced, and it represents, or it is, the water. So what this is talking about here is they came to this place where there was no water. In other words, for us, it would be to come to a place to come to the place where there is no hearing of the word of God. That's what it represents to us. It represents bitter waters, represent that which comes from the left side. And we know that religion, rules and regulations, and all of the rituals and everything comes from the left side. Hello? Are you still here? Did you go yes, home? So that's what it represents. It represents going through this wilderness of meditation and coming to the place where all that you have is bitter water, but once you've gone through this wilderness of meditation, you begin to come to some waters that are no longer bitter. Amen. And that's what we want to look at tonight. We want to look at this water. To them, yes, perhaps they were thirsty. 
probably were. But when they came to the rivers of Mara, what was the condition of the water? But bitter. What does that represent to us? It represents the bitterness of religion. The bitterness of the left side. See, you don't even have to be involved in religion. If you just live out of left side, you're going to end up bitter. That's bitter water, you see. see? And so the left side, listen, is loaded with a bunch of religious garbage. All of the guilt, all of the condemnation, all of the false teaching, all of those things that we were all raised on to one degree or another represent the bitter water. And it has to do with the left side. It has to do with the intellect. It has to do with just living out of the external realm rather than living from the inside out. Amen. Now, they called this place, notice, they called this place Mara. And let me just say, in Eastern religion, the term devil, the term devil in Eastern religion is called Mara as well. So to the, to the Eastern people, to the ancient people, the devil was bitterness. Oh my. Now listen, in the midst of this bitterness, there's a child that's going to be born. Do you know that Mary's name means bitter? Not this Mary, but Mary, <laughs> Jesus' mother. Her name, Mary, means bitter. And what happened? Out of the bitterness came a child. Yes. Out of the eye of the storm where there is peace comes forth a child. Out of the place of your morrow, out of the place of your bitterness, out of the place of your left hemisphere and all of that thinking, there's a quiet place within you on the right side here that as you steal away, as you get into that place, as you never mind the external circumstances and what you're seeing and feeling, you can come into that spontaneous meditation on the inside of you, the right side, if you will, the mind of Christ, the single eye, and there you can meditate upon that and as you do that energy will begin to flow within you and as i said it'll explode the pineal gland it ex it will explode the seeds of the pineal gland and it'll cause the pineal gland then to take the milky white substance and flow it down to the pituitary then it becomes a golden substance and you are then experiencing the land of israel or the land that is flowing with milk and honey so you see, we need to see the importance of our correct thoughts. Because why? Because our awareness is what? We've said it for many years around here. Our awareness is a projector, and it projects out to the screen of your life. Right. As a man thinks in his heart slash awareness, so is he. Guard your heart slash awareness, for out of it flow the issues of life. And I'm convinced that some places, we're going to read a little bit later tonight, but I'm convinced that some places where it talks about the Lord doing this, that, or the other, it is the Lord our mind. It is the Lord our mind becomes a Lord and a master to us. If out of our awareness flows the issues of life, if as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, then my awareness becomes whatever I put in it as a projector. It becomes the master and the Lord of my life. And yet we blame God for this, that, and the other when he yeah. had absolutely not a, nothing to do with it whatsoever. Right. Now, Jesus five times in Matthew chapter 6 said, in one form or another, take no thought. Why are you taking thought? Don't think that way. Five times. Five is the number of grace. Five times. Jesus said, take no thought. Now, you can't help at times but worry and be anxious, but what you need to do is just simply replace those thoughts. We all worry. We all have anxious thoughts. So we don't want to stop there, but what we want to do is replace those thoughts from the thoughts of the right side. Now, hang on, if you will, to Exodus, and go, if you will, to a couple places here. Proverbs 4 or 5, Proverbs 5 and verse 4. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 4, and then we're going to go to Revelation, but hang on to Exodus. Don't lose that. But in Proverbs chapter 5, it talks about the strange woman. Now, we've talked about the strange woman before. And you know, there's an interesting plant called the hemlock. And the hemlock has another term, and it is called wormwood, and it simply means bitterness. Bitterness. 
And here in Proverbs 5, 4, talking about the strange woman, and that's the woman or the awareness that thinks from the left side, it says, but her end is bitter as wormwood, referring to the strange woman or one who thinks from the left side. But her end is bitter as wormwood. So if we're living out of the left side, if we're living out of religiosity, if we're living out of this bitterness, our end is going to be a bitter end. How many know you've heard people say, well, you know, that circumstance can make you better or bitter? Well, that's true. We can allow our circumstances to make us bitter or better. We have the choice. God's not doing it. What well, he in us enables us, yes, but we're the ones that have the dominion. Now, quickly look in Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. And here it talks about this bitterness or this wormwood here in Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. Revelation 8, 10 and 11. And notice what it says here. And the third angel sounded, and there fell, notice this, a great star from heaven, from the realm of spirit. That's in us. Heaven is the realm of spirit, including the spirit in us. So a third angel sounded, there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. Verse 11, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Now, this star happens to be, this star is you and I. It's a light, or it's an idea. We know an angel is what? It's a message. It's a messenger with a message, or more specifically, it is a message. But this star fell because of bitter waters. Now, that's what happened to us. We came here, we came here upright, holy, and righteous, but we came up with many inventions, Ecclesiastes 7.29 says. So what happened? There was something that was planted into our awareness that caused our idea of God and ourselves to fall. Right. That's what took place. And it had to do with this bitterness. Right. Now notice it says there that the third part, let me go back and read that again in verse 11, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died in the waters because they were made bitter. But up in verse 10 it also says, it fell upon the third part of the rivers. Now, what is a river? Rivers denote a flowing. Rivers flow, right? So this third part here, when our star, which points to our spiritual awareness, fell, and that's the only place we fell was in our awareness. We didn't have a sinful nature or an Adamic identity. Someone kind of challenged that on Facebook the other day. And I said, well, you know, Adam didn't have a sinful nature. And he partook of the truth of the knowledge of good and evil. So there you go. You don't need a sinful nature to sin or to have mistaken identity. He didn't, you see. So, so what this is saying, when our star, which points to our spiritual awareness, falls, three areas are going to be affected. The physical is going to be affected, the emotional is going to be affected, and the intellectual is going to be affected. The physical, the intellectual, and the emotional is going to be affected when that spiritual idea in our awareness, that star, falls. Now, you know Esther was called a star. See, we're called a star. And I'm not going to go into it, but I think it's in the book of Jude, it talks about wandering stars and, yeah. and, and different things like that. But then it talks also about a people that are, that are grounded. You know? So we'll look at that some other time. Not tonight. I don't have the time to go there. But what this is talking about is the bitter waters of religion affected our entire being, emotionally, intellectually, physically, our whole being. And most people today, because of bitterness, you know, science say that only 1% to 5% yeah. of our genes cause sickness and disease in our bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Only 1% to 5% of our genes in our bodies cause us sickness and disease. Mm -hmm. That leaves what? About 95, at least 95%. And what they say is the 95% comes from our consciousness. Yep. Wow. Comes from our consciousness. Yep. Wow. Comes from our 
awareness, what we're putting into our awareness. And see, I attribute a lot of that to the fact that we have been raised up on the literal interpretation yep. of the Word of God. Yep. And we need to learn how to let the cat out of the bag. We need to learn how to break our leg. We need to learn how to shoot the bull. We need to learn to be three sheets to the wind. We need to learn to do all of these things, you see. Now, you all know what I said there. I wasn't talking about someone shooting off his mouth and you have to call the EMS and have him come and take him to the hospital. I wasn't talking about a literal cat being let out of the bag and you have to go run after the cat so it doesn't get lost. I wasn't talking about spilling a bag of beans and you've got to clean it up. They're cliches. They are allegorical or symbolic sayings that people all over the world know about, but when it comes to the Bible, for goodness sake, they interpret it all literally. They have no clue what it means to let the cat out of the bag or break a leg or spill the beans or shoot the bull. They have no idea what that means symbolically or spiritually. And listen, this is why we had a Jim Jones. This is why we had a David Koresh. This is why we had an Andrea Yates. Because they took the Bible literally and they interpreted it and they thought, well, bless God, we're going to go to hell anyhow. We might as well end it now and go to heaven or whatever they thought in doing all of those horrible things. It was because of the literal interpretation of the Word of God. And then we have this God up in heaven, some 50 million light years away, that couldn't forgive us until he killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's going to start an Armageddon and he's going to kill all the kids and the mothers and the people on the earth. What foolishness. What stupidity. Terrorist creatures, as Lynn Howes calls them. Terrorist creatures. So what we need to do is we need to take the earth, we need to take our mind, this is the five levels that the Greeks embraced, we need to take our mind and bring it up into the water. And then up into the air where we take no thought. And then up into spirit, fire or spirit. And then we will be exercising the single eye, living out of the mind of Christ, being involved in spontaneous and purposeful meditation. Now, go back to Exodus chapter 15. In Exodus chapter 15, I'm almost done already. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 24. And it says there in verse 24 of Exodus 15, the people murmured. Have you ever murmured? Oh, I just hate that. I don't know why it's church time. I've got to go to church again tonight. Bless God. Got to meditate. She tells us we need to meditate. We need to practice single fully on all that stuff. Things are going so bad around here. I don't know that I can even do that. What? They murmured. It's normal to murmur, folks. How many of you murmured this week? Any? Yes. There's at least one honest person in here. Shala. I didn't say you have to really work at this and labor over this. 
There can be some concentration involved, absolutely. But all this that I'm talking about is not from some external doing. It's who you and I are. We are the mind of Christ. We have all things. He is all in all, in and as all y'all. So we lack nothing. So I'm not telling you to do something in the energy of the flesh when I talk about, you know, stepping into the mind of Christ or meditation or exercising the single eye. What I'm telling you is this is your nature. This is our heritage. This is who we are. Let's just be who we be. Really, that's what we're saying. Now, look at verse 26. And he said, if thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right, that's the right side, in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Wow. Now, that's the melatonin that flows when the right side is utilized by us. That's the thing that causes none of these diseases to become upon you. That's the thing that brings the health which he is as us into the experience of our life. Remember what I said? Your mind is the master and the Lord. Your awareness is the master and the Lord. And it sounds like he's saying, like God himself is saying, I will put these diseases on you. Well, he never did put disease on anyone. So what are we thinking? And guess what? He doesn't take disease off of people. Hello. No, he doesn't. You know, so many people on Facebook get on there and, and in the church, well, please pray that, that God will heal me. What's the matter with you? You're already the healed. Get out. You're already the healed. We're already whole. It's not about asking him to do something. He can't do what he's already done. It's up to us now. The eye of the Christ that I is and that you is is what's going to make sure that none of these diseases come upon us and is going to make sure that we begin to walk in health as we've never walked in health before. And I see it as connected with the melatonin. I see it connected with the solar plexus releasing the energy, going up the spine, getting those blockages out of the way so the energy and the life can flow freely through you and the pituitary and the pineal can work properly and you can experience the land flowing with milk and honey and every cell and every atom of your body every proton, every neutron, every electron will experience that life that's already within you and it is already yours and mine. That's the good news of the gospel. Yes, it's time. It's past time. Listen, we have the same stupid diseases the world has. We have the same financial problems. We have the same emotional problems. We have the same this and that that the world has. We're no different than the world. And really, we are totally different than the world in another sense because we have it all. Now, they have it all, too. They just don't know it, and they just aren't aware of it. But we cannot continue to be suffering the same thing that the world does. What difference are they going to see in us? Absolutely not. There was a time when there was a difference between God's people and the people that didn't acknowledge God in their lives. But today it's all meshed together. It's all flowed together. There has to be a difference. And I believe that part of it is what we're teaching right now because religion and even many in grace and finished work are still dividing between the spirit and the body. Yes. Spirit and the body are one. Our bodies are spirit slowed down to visibility. We've always been one in him. I can't imagine God being a weakling or sick. Can you imagine Jesus going around healing people using a cane? Yeah. Bury him oh. down and bury him off. Bam! And guess what? What's true of him is true of us. What's true of him is true of us. We are the in Christ. Jesus Christ is head of the body, and we are the body of Christ. We're bone of his bone. We're flesh of his flesh. You see, and so it's so important. See, listen, the Bible said, Jesus, I think Jesus said, physician, heal thyself. <laughs> Did he not? Physician, heal thyself. So the eye here in verse 26, I'll put none of these diseases upon you, is the eye of my I amness. It's the eye of your I amness. We have the dominion here. So you see, if your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. And this is why Jesus said to those who hadn't caught any fish, he said, take your net and cast it to the right side.
one, five, and three, you get nine. Nine is the number of consciousness. So it all has, his whole thrust there had to do with their consciousness. I don't think he gave a hoot whether they caught fish or not. <laughs> it wasn't about that. He was trying to reveal something else to them. In other words, where's your consciousness? If your consciousness was where it should be, it, didn't, it wouldn't matter if there was any fish where you had cast your nets. The fish would be swarming into your nets. But it's because of your consciousness. Now cast to the right side your consciousness, and they caught a boatload. Now, hang on to Exodus, because we're going to go back there. And go to Luke 11, 52. Luke 11 and verse 52. And here he's talking to some lawyers. He's talking to those that wrote the Bible. That's who he's talking to. Do you know that the Greeks, do you know the New Testament is in Greek, written by Greeks in Greece? In Greece. Yeah. It was written by, yeah, it's written in Greek, the New Testament, by Greeks, in Greece. You suppose they got a few things wrong? A few things backwards? And you know what? I think that happened on purpose. You know why? So we dig a little deeper. Because he didn't want us just depending on this outer book. He wanted us depending on the esoteros, as Revelation chapter 5 says, the inner book, the book of spirit. Now, I'm not about to throw my Bible away. I love my Bible. I love the Bible. Not saying anything in detriment to the Bible. But listen, unless the book within us reveals the outer book, it's not going to do us a whole lot of good. Now, look what he says here to these lawyers in Luke 11 and verse 52. Jesus said, you take away the key of knowledge because you don't enter in yourselves. What is he saying? And then them that were entering, you hindered. Notice what he said. Here's the key of knowledge. You take away the key of knowledge because you won't enter into yourselves. And then you hinder those that are trying to enter in because you won't enter into yourself. you got to live from the inside. That's the key of knowledge, folks, living from the inside out. That's the key of knowledge. See, entering into yourself, and when you enter into yourself, you ain't going to hinder anyone out there. You're going to help them. You're going to help them. So now go back to Exodus chapter 15 and close it. So what did they do? They threw the tree into the water. That's what we need to do. We're in the tree, and we need to throw it into the water. That first level. We need to take the earth, the mind, and we need to throw it into the water. And as we do, all of that bitterness will begin to be swallowed up. It came from our parents, our school, our government, religion, wherever it came from, it'll be swallowed up. Gradually it'll be swallowed up. Now, look at verse 27 then. And they came to Elam. Now, Elam means trees. And verse 27 goes on to say, where there were 12 wells of water. Now, 12 have, has a number of meanings. That means perfection and government and the 12 signs of the zodiac. It encompasses, it encompasses the power and the nature of the universe, the heaven and earth and everything. And then it goes on to say, and three score and ten palm trees. Now, three score is ten times twenty that equals sixty. Plus you add the ten palm trees, you have seventy. And seven is a number that speaks of divine intervention where fullness and completion is concerned. It has to do with fullness in our spirit. But now listen, and here's where we have separated spirit from body, and they're one. They are connected together. They're one. They're not to be separate. The Father doesn't separate. Spirit doesn't separate spirit from body. They're one and the same. So you see, this represents, the number seven there represents divine intervention where fullness and completion is concerned, not only in our spirit, but also in our physical bodies, where the seven nerve centers are concerned as the energy is released up, travels up the spine, and does what it does once it hits the base of the brain. It explodes that right hemisphere. I literally believe now, I used to, not believe, I, I used to think these guys were absolutely crazy. I told you last week, I was getting some guy's CDs for about, I don't know, six, seven years, and I finally told him, don't send him anymore. That guy was, a, he was, he was, he was, words just can't explain what I thought back then. And now I understand, because he said the serpent is God. I thought, what? The serpent is God? Where does he get that? But you know what? The serpent as the energy 
going up our spine in that serpentine motion. It's God. And that's related to the serpent. And that's why I said in the garden, there wasn't no talking snake. What happened was Eve, or the woman, listened to her flesh. Because when you're talking about the spine, the energy going up in a serpentine motion, as we read in 1 Kings uh, chapter 8, verse 6, or 6, 8, whatever it was, that represents, that is associated with our spine, and our spine is associated with our flesh. So she listened to the flesh. Wow. No talking serpent, telling them they had no clothes on, and, and you know, they're in the garden, they're having tea together. Let me just say this. Listen, this, this here over here, put your hand on your left side. Come on, go ahead. You got it on the left side? Yeah. That's Egypt. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Now bring it around the forehead. Right there in the center, that's your pineal gland. Yep. Further in there. Come around here, you come to Eden. Yep. Come around further, yep. and you come to the right side, or you come to the promised land. Yep. So that's the journey. Wow. <laughs> I'm seeing the Bible more and more as a, a psychological book. It's psychological. It's about our awareness. Yeah. It's about the psyche. Yeah. It's about the mind. Lay yourself on the tabernacle. What's in the most holy? But your head. And if you didn't have a brain, listen, you think about people that have Alzheimer's. I was thinking about that, that this week. And I thought, do they have any consciousness of any presence of God? Probably not. Probably not. Why? Because the mind has to be, they've lost that, and the mind has to be involved. I mean, think how horrible that would be to live in that condition, especially for one that has known the Lord and experienced the Lord before, to have that horrible, you know, age-related disease and not to be able to make contact, because that's the only place you make contact, just like God met the children of Israel, you know, uh, beneath the cherubim above the mercy seat. Well, remember what the cherubim represent? The cherubim rep represent to us in our brain the cerebrum, same thing. So he meets us here, just like he met them there in the, you know, beneath the cherubim, brim, the cherubim, I guess is the way he said it. Cherubim. Beneath the cherubim, the two cherubim. So he meets us here. If you didn't have this, what expression and what experience of the presence of the Lord would we have? So that's why I'm saying the, the book is psychological. It's for our psyche. It's for our psyche. See, it's for our awareness. Yeah. Now, look at verse 27, the last, the last part of verse 27. It says, and they encamped there above the water. Now, see, that's a perfect place for us to camp out at. See? When we throw ourselves into the water, which is what? The second stage. And guess what? This is what came to me today. I think it's Ezekiel 47, where it talked about waters up to the, you know, the, the ankles and then the knees and then the loins and then waters to swim in. So I want to throw myself in this water and I want to be way over my head. Yeah. Way over my head. Yeah. I want it to be so deep I have to swim. We are swimming a little bit here. I know, especially when I started this series. I felt the vibes. <laughs> but you know what? Now everybody's at peace. You know what? You know, this is 23 in this series, number 23. And, and I know you know where I'm coming from now. And we're going to continue. We're going to look at a lot of stuff related to this series. So, so where we throw ourselves, when we throw ourselves into the second stage, this water, the second stage of consciousness, this is where the bitterness then of the left side, whatever brought that into our life, that experience into our life, that is where it is swallowed up and where we experience this divine intervention as the oil of life is flowing up the energy centers, releasing every bit of religiosity or whatever it is in our life that caused us this bitterness. See, we need to, as medical science says, and science itself says, we only use 10% of our brain. I want to use 90%. And that's the right side. That's the Christ mind. So what we need to do is bring the tithe into the storehouse. We need to bring the 10%. And we need to, as Moses threw down that authority, as he put his hand in his bosom and he relinquished that authority in that ministry, then it began to come in full force. And so that's what we need to do. We need 
you take that 10% of the left side and throw it down, bring the tithe into the storehouse, lay it down so that we can then take up the 90% that lies there dormant for the most part. Amen. But not for long. Amen. Not for Amen. long. Amen. So what have we learned tonight? We learned that the waters of Merah, which speak of bitterness, represent us living from the left side. That bitterness from the left side. Religion is a bitter pill. It's not the gospel. It's a bitter pill. You ever take a pill and it went down? Ah, that tasted horrible. It was bitter, you see. So what do we want to do is we want to take that left side, you see. We want to throw it in the waters. We are the tree, and as we throw ourselves into the waters, then the bitter becomes sweet. Because the right side, that Christ mind, as we practice the single eye, as we are involved in that spontaneous meditation that we've talked about, and even purposeful meditation, then what happens? Everything on the left side begins to be swallowed up. And you then begin to arise, and you begin to think out of the 90% that we don't use. Now, I think we're using more than that, especially of people who understand these things. I think we're beginning to use that 90%. But we can use the whole 90%. But we have to throw ourselves into the water. We have to throw ourselves into the bitterness. You have to throw yourself into the bitterness. In the midst of the bitterness, you see. In the midst of the bitterness, the child, Christ child came. In the midst of Mary, in the eye of the storm, where that quiet place is, that's where you retire to. And as you do, no matter what's going on around about you, it'll be swallowed up. It'll be burned up. It'll be gotten rid of, it'll be consumed, however you want to say it, and you'll begin to walk in a three, three, three days to get from Egypt to the wilderness. Three days, it was a three days journey, you see, a three days journey. And then the journey in the wilderness to the promised land took them 40 long years and it should have taken them 11 days. Well, you can see where their head was, right? Yeah. <laughs> Someplace other than in the heavens. Yeah. <laughs> right? All right. So, so, Lord, we thank you for your presence, for the word, for the work that you're doing by your spirit within each and every one of us. We bless you and we honor you in the name of the Lord. Now, if there's any questions, are there any questions? All right. No questions? There's no, no, that's Richard. Okay. I fell in the middle of the street at lunch on Saturday. Okay. It slipped. Down I went and I couldn't get up. I went in the middle of the street and this little young black boy come over and said, I'll help you up. How sweet. He had a hard time getting there, but he got me up. Got you Well, my knee was hurt. I'm on my way to pitch horseshoes and throw them on again. <laughs> so I got in my car and I said, uh, I started thinking from yeah. this side to this side. Yeah. That's and good. I drove all the way to Kokomo. My knee quit hurting. Yeah. I pitched horseshoes. Won the tournament. Won the tournament, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, I, <laughs> I was just trying to think on the right side. Mm -hmm. I did. And nothing wrong with my knee. Amen. That's awesome. Not a awesome. Wrong with it. Amen. All right. Well, if there are no questions on the, uh, I know there's a lot of comments, but yes, no questions. We'll go ahead and turn it off. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And uh, we'll try this again. If you have any questions, post the questions on the comment section, and we will answer those, allowing the camera to continue to go.